opinions expressed on ACB Media are those of the respective program contributors and do not necessarily reflect the views held by the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Okay, welcome to Confidently Communicate with Care in room Schomburg E. Aloha, my name is Terry Lynn Higashi Akamine. Thank you to all of you who have showed up and especially to the recipients of the ACB JP Morgan Chase Leadership Fellows and ACB First Timers Reception recipients. We have a phrase back home in Hawaii that I heard a lot growing up. It is to open your pepeao, which means to open your ears. Really, that is the heart of communication is to open your ears and listen. Today, we will take a look at communication and have a discussion with three people that communicate a lot regularly within their home, work, and community. Zelda Gebhardt, Greg Lindbergh, and Leslie Spoon. Throughout our daily activities, we communicate all the time, nonverbal, verbal, physical, even when we don't want to communicate. We are specially communicating. When we say the hashtag hangry, <laughs> Communication takes a lot of practice and exercise. Let me turn it over to my partner, Greg Weinsnyder, also known as Triple G. Thank you, Terry Lynn. Uh, yes, good good uh, afternoon, everyone, or good morning or good evening, wherever you may be listening to this from. Uh, so my name is uh, Greg Wansnyder, as Terry Lynn said. So we're going to do a little active listening, okay? Audience in person, are we ready for that? Ready to do some active listening? Okay, so Terry, Terry Lynn and I have come up with a few, uh, few different scenarios, and we are going to ask you, I'm first going to tell you about the different active listening techniques um, there are a few of them that we're going to uh, work with during this section. Um, one of them being reflection. So reflecting back uh, a person's feelings. So it sounds like you're feeling this, or I hear you stating this. Is this correct? The other one uh, that we're going to be doing a lot of is uh, question asking. So I may have a situation and you might say, tell me more about this. Or how did you feel when that happened? Or something like that. The other active listening technique is uh, simply, and this is one that we're not really going to be using today, but is simply silence. Sometimes you just need to be silent and be present and um, in the moment. And and there are some others too. Um, and I learned these things um, working on a crisis line in 2000. A restatement. So, uh, you know, restating or at least paraphrasing the, what uh, a person is, is uh, f- feeling. And again, that gives them some, uh, some opportunity for you then to go back and forth. So, Uh, Terry Lynn, why don't you start us off and I'm going to respond in a certain way to what you give to me and then we'll just kind of go back and forth like that. So, Terry Lynn. Wow, I am so tired. I have a 64-hour work week. I have two employers. I have a husband. I have to clean my house. I'm lacking sleep. 
I I really just don't know what to do with myself. Okay, so I hear you saying a lot of different things here. I hear you um, you saying that you're tired, that you're lacking sleep, that um, you're lacking sleep uh, because you you have a 64-hour work week. That's what I hear you saying. Is that correct? Yes, that's what you hear me saying. Thank you. Okay. So, so now to the audience, if you guys could yell out what form of communication were we just using? Or what listening technique, yes. What listening technique. Reflective. I heard some restatement in there. Yeah, I suppose both could uh could work um, you know, in that uh clarification in that uh sentence. So okay, Terry Lynn, now it's my turn. I just feel so um overwhelmed with all my health issues and just um I just am so um overwhelmed by um the circumstances that life is giving me right now. So Greg, let me ask you a question. So what are some things that are causing you some health trials currently? Okay, so audience, what technique is Terry Lynn using? Question asking. Very good. Awesome. Okay, Terry Lynn. Lastly, here you go. Well, Greg, I I think I've been really sad lately. I don't know what it is, but I feel really sad and I feel really unhappy. And I just cry. I just cry all the time. Yeah. So it sounds like your life circumstances have made you feel uh, sad or unhappy. That's uh, what it sounds like. And it makes you just feel sad. Right. So that was more of a reflective response, meaning you acknowledge a person's emotions. Right. So sometimes with communication, when people express their emotions, you know, we as the receiver don't know how to receive that. So we kind of bulldozer over that. We kind of don't acknowledge that. But in communication, that is really necessary that we do some reflective. Yeah. Terry Lynn, if we have time, I wonder if we ask the audience how they would have, our our in-person audience specifically, how they would have responded, may have responded differently, still using active listening, but how they may have responded differently. So if anyone has any comments on any of those situations, how you would have handled them differently. I'm responding to Terry Lynn's uh, the third situation. And I think I would have said something like, I can tell that you are really sad and crying when you may not know what's causing it. Can you tell me more about what's going on when you cry? And that would be a combination of reflective listening and questioning. I would have wanted to pull out the the depth of the sadness because we could be looking at life circumstances or clinical depression. So I kind of see the, the, the scenarios that, that you're talking about. And I think maybe just because of the event and because of the situation, it seems a little forced. So what I would like to know is 
do these kinds of things how how much do they actually help in the in the communication process because okay the examples that you've set up seem uh, I, i'm not saying they're not useful but i feel like they're i feel like they're a bit exaggerated so i'm wondering how it translates in the in real real world communication thank okay. you okay kind of deals with our first question related to uh listening so um yeah yeah so uh panelists if you want to go go ahead and introduce uh yourselves i'll start um on my right here um with leslie so leslie go ahead all right well good afternoon everybody i'm leslie spoon from orlando florida um i am a certified personal aerobics instructor and a certified uh, personal trainer and I teach on the ACB community every day um, in Zoom. So come see me in Zoom land. <laughs> um, and I have been a, um, I'm also certified aqua and kickbox and yoga. So I'll, I wear many hats in, in the um, personal training and, and aerobics industry world. So um, I've been doing it over 25 years in Orlando, Florida. I've worked at many gyms and I owned my own business for five years. It was only women. So that's a little bit about me. And I have retinitis pigmentosa. So Greg. Hey there, everyone. This is Greg Lindbergh from Wesley Chapel, Florida. And uh, honored to be part of this panel today. Um, so I do serve as publications chair of the, uh, the publications committee of ACB Next Generation. Super proud of my committee. So shout out to them and ACB Next Generation. And I have worked in marketing and communications uh, for 10 plus years. Actually just started a brand new job with Full Sail University uh, in Winter Park, Florida in the communications department. Okay. And Zelda, you can go ahead. Okay. Good afternoon. Um, I'm Zelda Gebhardt and I'm from, I live in Edgeley, North Dakota, and I'm very pleased to be asked to be on this panel today. At first, I was a little bit taken aback because I don't really consider myself a communications expert. But when I got to thinking about it, um, all of us, everyone in attendance, everyone listening, communicates each and every day, all day long. And as a wife and, and a mother for um, a grandmother of 11, I have opportunities to to communicate all the time with my family, my community, my um, the organizations I belong to. Um, my education and work experience has been in business. And of course, way back when, when I was in college, we learned business communication. Um, and I've, I've brought that with me in, in one form or another. Um, in my life as as I've come along. And so, you know, in in the beginning, I was in healthcare. Um, so I was communicating mainly with patients and coworkers and professionals and, and the public. And then in in the insurance agency, I communicated again with the insured. Um, any, anybody who was on the other end of the phone or who was in front of my desk. And, and now as a full-time volunteer, I'm communicating with, with members of the organizations I belong to, my peers, committees, legislators, you know. And so I guess just to say that um, communication is an important thing that we do each and every day. And um, so I'm happy to, to be with you today. 
Thank you to all of our panelists. Um, I'll, I'll just ask, um, going off of Sean's question, how does listening, and Zelda kind of alluded to it, but how does listening help um, all of you become more confident communicators? Yeah, this is Greg. I can take that one uh, initially. Uh, so listening is absolutely critical, no matter you know who it is you're listening to. Um, so just in my career, for instance, I've had the chance to interview uh, many, many different individuals, you know, for marketing projects, for communications projects, uh, capturing quotes, capturing information. And uh, so obviously I have to really, you know, have that that keen ear when it comes to listening to what I'm being told and also making sure that I'm receiving that information and taking that information down accurately and oftentimes that does go back to what we kind of talked about before about repeating you know repeating what someone is is saying to you so that you know you are actually hearing that and listening to that message uh accurately and that you know you can respond whether you're responding back to that individual or in, in a lot of my cases in my career you know taking down that information using that information for other purposes um, so it's, it's absolutely critical to just try to focus as much as you can, you know, when it comes to listening to those individuals. And this is Leslie. So I'll say listening is very important in my field. Um, with, with personal training, you hear a lot of personal information when you're a one-on-one -on -one trainer. Um, so the, the communication is there listening to what they've said, I, I, I'd say a lot of the question answering because you're, you're repeating what they're saying and ans answering questions and asking questions and really listening to what they're saying. Um, there's some heartfelt stuff that goes into when you are being a trainer and, and or a coach that you have to really listen to and really respond to. Yeah, and this is Zelda, and I'll just add on to, to what Leslie said. Listening is is you know, key to any communication. Um, sometimes what isn't said is just as important as what is said. Um, and, and picking up on that um, is, is very important. And as Greg said, um, you know, the, the listening and the, the verifying, you know, repeating, um, kind of parroting back, because um, you may have thought you heard something and, and, um, you know, dealing with people who um, maybe talk softly, um, maybe they're a little unsure of themselves, maybe they're not confidently speaking up, you might entirely hear something wrong. And, and that would totally um, make a difference in how you would respond. So here is the second question, and we'll start with Leslie. Tell us about what you do and how communication plays a role in your job or volunteering. So what I do is I am a personal trainer and aerobics instructor and yoga, kickboxing, aqua. Um, that's my was my profession. I now have uh, transitioned into volunteering on ACB's uh, community. So, um, you know, there's a lot of communication there. I'll say when I started, I'll just backtrack a little bit. When I got the opportunity to be on ACB community, when, when COVID happened was like a blessing to me. Um, and that's funny to say that because 
you know, everybody was at home. My, my peers were not coming over. We were not working out. And that's a big part of my life. Um, so I went to the ACB community. Cindy Hollis asked me if I would teach one yoga class. And I said, I would love to, but I've never taught to blind and visually impaired people um, over my 25 years of teaching. So it was my very first time teaching to blind and visually impaired folks, low vision. So when I started, I had to rethink my, my teaching techniques. So the communication came in there. How am I going to teach them a downward dog? Um, or how am I going to teach them to, to do planks? Um, you know, so, so they taught me there was a lot of communication there with teaching me the clock um, because we're all on Zoom and everybody could cheat also, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so there, there's the other communication that comes in. Are you actually doing the moves? Are you, how are you feeling in your body? A lot of communication there um, went back and forth in that and a lot of listening. So that I learned how to communicate and, and teach the classes differently on Zoom. I, I think I answered all your questions, Terry. Okay, so let's um, go to Zelda. All right. Well, as I mentioned earlier, um, I I did work in healthcare for uh, a number of years, and I guess it was it was in that job, answering the phone, dealing with with patients directly, that I developed um, what others have said, you know, a calm, a calming voice, um, you know, because often in that situation you're dealing with emergency situations. Um, and you need to get information and you need to get it clearly so you can relay it on to the healthcare professionals. Um, but you need to um, help calm people's fears and their anxiousness. So if, if I could regulate my voice and make it be calm, um, that not only calmed my nerves, but it, it also gave confidence to whoever I was talking to. And maybe a little of that has come along because now as I um, communicate with um, committee members, sometimes um, there's a tense situation or as a, I'm past president of the North Dakota Association of the Blind when I was leading um, meetings in that capacity. Um, you know, sometimes conflict and tension just come along with dealing with people. And if if I could use a, a calm tone, uh, kind of moderate my voice, sometimes that that um, that can diffuse a situation. And um, so... Um, that's that's kind of a little bit. Um, I'm not sure if I answered what all you wanted me to answer, but um, that's one skill that I've picked up along the line that has that has helped me in in what I do. Um, and and even when I'm talking to family members, when um, they might call with a, a, a situation, uh, they're upset or whatever. Um, I find that that you know reverting to to a, a calm, uh, clear um, response, you know, helps in that situation also. Well, thank you. We'll go to Greg. Alrighty. Uh, so for me, having worked in marketing communications for a while, um, I've had a number of roles, primarily focused on on writing. You know, using the written word when it comes to communication. 
Um, so obviously when it comes to marketing, you know, you really have to know your audience. You have to know who, who you're communicating with, you know, what kind of message you want to communicate and more importantly, how your audience is going to consume that information. Um, so having worked in education now for several years, you know, I, I've written messaging for prospective students, let's say high school age, you know, 17, 18 year olds uh, for their parents, uh, you know, for adult learners looking to go back to college to get a degree maybe in their 30s, 40s, 50s. Um, so obviously there are a lot of different types of audiences, different types of individuals out there consuming this information that I'm writing and so I definitely have to, you know, be able to pivot between communicating with that 17-year-old versus that 45-year-old and, you know, what's, what's important to them, what's impactful to them, what's meaningful to them. Obviously, there's a lot of variety when it comes to that. So I've really had to kind of learn, like I said, to pivot and just be agile in terms of, you know, what kind of language I'm using. Is it you know, kind of quote unquote big words? Is it more simple language uh, when, when it comes to all that? And then I've also had the chance to do podcasting. Um, so again, you know, communicating with a guest, if I'm interviewing a guest on a podcast, making sure I'm being very clear in my questions so that they understand how to respond so that I can draw that information out of them. And then also keeping the audience in, in mind as well when it comes to that you know, making sure that I'm providing information that everyone that might listen to that podcast, listen to that interaction uh, can understand, you know, whether they're totally familiar with whatever the subject is or more of a lay person that is not as experienced with that, that particular topic. Okay. Thank you all. Um, those were very insightful answers. So I, Leslie kind of alluded to this, but I want to uh, talk about the differences. Like we live in a sighted world, right? You know, so um, Leslie, maybe you can get into a couple more specifics. And Zelda and Greg, I'd like to hear uh, your uh, feedback on this too. What are the differences in, I guess, accommodating might be the right word uh, with a... Uh, blind to a blind and visually impaired audience, you know, when uh, communicating versus, um, you know, communicating in a sighted world. So anybody can, can uh, start with that. Well, Greg, th this is Zelda. And this became really crystal clear to me when um, I went to my very first ACB convention, which happened to be in Louisville. And uh, during that convention week, my husband and I took a walk down the street and several blocks from our location, um, there was another large group of people and we could see all these people, but we had just gone from um, the ACB convention where everybody is, you know, uh, very verbal um, and down the street was this group of people and it was so silent. And then as we got closer, we could tell that it was a deaf convention and they were, they were signing to one another. So that was night and day difference to me. It showed the very um, unique needs that we have um, when we can't see one another um, and we need to be more verbal, obviously. And, you know, from greeting someone to, um, 
you know, to describing what's going on, um, to, um, you know, even even to when we're leaving that conversation to say goodbye so that we don't leave them talking to themselves, you know, um, that that just showed the really very differences between our community and theirs. And this is Leslie. So I, I live this every day. I go from the sighted world to the visual impaired world every day because I teach my ladies that came to my gym for five, nine years. And then I teach the visually and low vision impaired world every day at four o'clock. So it's very interesting to me because in the mornings I teach my sighted peers and I can tell them i'll use this as an you guys probably won't know maybe i'll i'll just say a jack so they'll do a jack a jumping jack and then bring your knees up towards your chest i only have to do it and they can see it so then they're able to do that i don't have to verbally explain it if i was to do it then at four o'clock in the afternoon i'm going to have to say take your right foot out to three o'clock bring it in take your left foot out to nine o'clock bring it in and then bring your right knee up towards your chest, put it down on the floor, take your left foot up towards your chest and put it down on the floor. So now everybody in that in this room could do that. I could I don't have to just do it. I have to verbally tell you what to do. So a lot of us go from the side of the world to the to the mm-hmm. visually impaired world. So um it's what we kind of go through every day. Dan and I walk through our community every day and uh you know, you see the cars go by. We're in a very walking community. So we flag the cars by to turn. You know, we'll stop and wave, wave them by or they'll tell us to go. And we're like, no, we'll wave them by. But we don't we don't say anything verbally. So I think we communicate throughout the day through our sighted and visually impaired community. Yeah, and just to kind of add to that a little bit, uh, when it comes to written communication, I think of, uh, you know, as far as these conventions and we're providing information on the hotel, you know, very, very detailed description written out of the hotel and the relief areas and the restaurants and which is just amazing. I mean, everyone behind that definitely kudos to you for, for giving us that great info. Um, but obviously a sighted person can kind of interpret those things, you know, a little more easily and doesn't necessarily need as much information um, so I think the bottom line is, you know, if you are communicating with someone who's blind or visually impaired, just giving them a little more info, a little more context, more detail uh, is probably more helpful and more necessary uh, than someone who's sighted. In 2020, many of us had to make the transition to Zoom meetings. What are the differences in communicating virtually versus in person? Uh, yeah, obviously there's, you know, being sitting in front of your computer, using your phone on Zoom versus being in person, you know, within a room of others, there's there's quite a difference. And, you know, when it comes to my career, when it comes to ACB and, you know, various chapters and affiliates, whatnot, um, I've had both experiences. Um, so I think, you know, when you think of Zoom, you think of like the mute button and you think of kind of the features you have raising a hand, uh, you know, different things you can do on Zoom to communicate uh, versus in person where I think you have to be more more verbal. Obviously, you know, there's a little more that goes into 
talking to someone in the room, you know, whether it's next to you or, if, you know, us presenting here at the front of the room with a microphone, you know, making sure we're, we're talking into the mic and versus, you know, talking into your computer mic or whatnot. Obviously, there are a lot of differences and similarities, too, you know, when it comes to those those two types of uh, platforms and approaches. And, you know, I think, again, you really have to be mindful of your audience, like I was kind of said before, you know, who who you're communicating with and, and the modality that you're using. Yeah, I, I agree with Greg. Um, I really think um, virtually it's it's harder to to get and maintain people's attention um, because it's so easy to want to multitask when nobody can see what you're doing. You, you, you know, you're up getting a glass of water. You, you know, you, you know, um, if you have a headset that that is free of any. Um, cords, you know, you you could go put a load of laundry from the washer to the dryer, you know. If you're in face-to-face meetings, um, you're going to be sitting there and you're going to be, you know, paying attention to things and the tendency to maybe want to multitask. And truly, they've proven that we can't do more than one thing at a time and really be fully present. So I, I think that is a challenge. Um when we're doing things um, virtually. And I'll just piggyback on Greg and Zelda. Um, I think, yeah, Zoom, you can, you, it is easier to multitask unless you're taking a class or you're engaged, um, you know, and in person you do have to, you're more in focus. You're, you're asking the questions like you, Terry and Gre- and Triple G, you guys did earlier in the beginning, you know, people are listening to you more. Um, they're, they're not, they're not multitasking and doing their laundry and maybe feeding the dog and washing the dishes and, oh, and then they're coming back to the meeting and, oh, it's back on or, you know, so um, it's interesting, the Zoom land and, and in person. Are, what specific resources or books or maybe um, websites or I don't know, what what resources would you give that have helped you uh, all become more effective communicators or, um, you know, maybe even we'll, we'll broaden this, maybe people in, uh, in, in ACB, you know, but resources, books, people, um, that have helped you become more confident in your communication. This is Zelda. And I would just say life in general is, is a good resource. Um, pay attention to what seems to work for others, uh, what, what works for you. Um, and if it doesn't work, um, change it. And so as far as resources go, I do have one. It's called How to Improve Communication Skills in the Workplace. And for us, that might be your job or that might just be a task that you do. And I will share that that link with Terry Lynn and, and Greg, and maybe they can share it with the group somehow. So I'll just say my resources, um, and maybe people, you said people also. So people, um, Sheila Young, that's the host. She's helped me communicate more and make me more confident, a very good mentor to me. Um, also, Dan Spoon, my husband, um, helps me every day. He also helped me when I got certified for all my aerobics and everything, helped me read the book to me. Um, it was not accessible at that time. Um, so he actually took time to put the book under the magnifier and read the magnifier. So he was a great resource to me. 
it sounds kind of strange, but um, that he was really good, good help to me and resource. Um, there's a lot of good resources. Uh, you know, you can go on the website and, um, you know, if you're interested in, in, in my profession, um, it's, it's a unique profession, but it has, it has involved. I do know that there's more visually impaired low vision people doing it now. Um, when I got in, into this profession, there was not very many at the time. So, um, you know, people in general and just everyday life, you know, you're, you're your own advocate. Yeah. For me, I would say, uh, definitely within ACB, just listening to some of the leaders that we have or have had, um, I think of, you know, presidents like Deb Hook Lewis, Dan Spoon, Kim Charlson, Mitch Pomerantz, you know, some of the recent presidents, just hearing them speak, how they communicate, how they're so articulate, so smooth, you know, hearing them interact with uh, fellow members of the board, whatnot, I mean, can really learn so much, just literally, you know, we talk about listening a lot. We've talked about listening a lot in this session, and I think that's that's a huge part of it just listening to those around you and especially those who have that experience, whether it's within ACB and their careers in life in general. Um, I've learned so much just by listening. And then earlier this morning I did Google, you know, just top, top books on communication. And there's so many books out there, including a lot of audio books, um, you know, just on, on different niches within communication and different aspects whether it is verbal, whether it is written, um, emotional. I mean, there's so many, you know, avenues when it comes to communication. So just doing some quick searching out there, you can really find a lot of great resources as well. And then if I may, I just um, wanted to add a few resources that have helped me to communicate better. So one of the two books that I've read is The Untethered Soul, and the second one is Everyone Communicates, Few Connect. And that one is by John Maxwell. So just speaking to that, especially since we're at um, convention, you know, we communicate all the time. But to make true connections with people, it requires energy, right? So in speaking to energy, some of us are introverted versus extroverted. So that basically means where you get your energy, where you feel replenished. So for some, they may get energy by talking and being with the people. But for others, getting and receiving energy takes times of silence, being alone, um, prayer or meditation. So whatever gives you energy during the the conference, please take that time to energize yourself so that you can make a connection with the people that you meet this week. Self-care is health care, right, Terry Lynn? That's right. one of our mantras. So right. at this time, uh, we will open it up uh, to Q&A, question and answer. Right. Um, we ask that you keep your questions to one question per person. And uh, we will start with one question in person and then move to Zoom for one and back and forth um, until um, until we kind of uh, tell you otherwise. So, you know, we, we've talked about about listening like like, um, you know, 
that is very important, but also before we communicate, and that's before we pick up that phone, before we send that text, before we send an email, we, we need to know the purpose. What's the purpose of this communication? Is it just to connect with somebody? Is it to, to give them information? And then that's how we decide, you know, what form of communication will work out best for that particular information. If we're gonna give somebody a date and time for a meeting, maybe it's better that be in written form rather than on the phone. Um, you know, so what it is that we're going to communicate might be, um, help us determine how we're gonna communicate that. And then, um, as was already mentioned, some people um, respond that best if, you know, they have their favorite form of communication. Uh, for some, I know I get a better response if I text them or, you know, if I email them or absolutely, I need to pick up that phone because they're not going to respond to any communication. So knowing the person and and, and their, their preferences in um, receiving communication is also key to good communication. So just, just wanted to add that, you know, it's not all about us. It's about us and them, um, what they prefer and, and um, what we think, what form of communication would work out best for them in what it is that we're hoping to communicate. Very good point, Zelda. Thank you for sharing. Okay, now we will um, open it up uh, to questions for our panel. Okay, very good. And I, and I hopefully in the room can hear me too. But I just want to make a quick comment and just say that another resource is an organization called Toastmasters. Um, in Toastmasters, what I loved about that organization is that um, you know, in school, we take classes in math and in reading and science and English, but we don't take, they don't teach you how to listen. But in Toastmasters, you learn how to listen actively, not passively, but actively, because you are actually critiquing people on their speeches, uh, evaluating them on how they did. And in some cases, if it's, if it's a Toastmasters meeting with people that have, that are fully cited, um, then they will, you know, watch you to see what you could improve on and turn your body language. But that is an excellent way for you to improve on your communication skills and particularly speaking and listening. You know, we're in a society today where we have to be so incredibly careful about how we say things and the way that we say it because people can get easily offended by the littlest things that you talk about or that you say and they can take it the wrong way. Thank you. This is Anthony. Wanted to tag along um, Zelda's uh, thoughts about purpose. As I was thinking about that, um, just knowing your audience or knowing um, who you're um, purposing your communication to, I was thinking, how does um, culture or age, when you're developing your, your thoughts, um, affect how you communicate? their culture or us generations and how do you bridge that yeah this is this is greg i can chime in on that um so i definitely you know there are times where i'll text someone who's maybe in my age group or younger than me versus reaching out by phone and actually you know an actual phone call uh, to someone who's older and i think that's maybe one example of knowing your audience you know what's 
the likelihood that someone's going to get your message and, and respond in a timely fashion and, you know, accounting for, for all that, kind of like Zelda was saying, before you actually reach out with the communication, you know, knowing the best method, the most effective method, you know, again, if you're communicating dates or, you know, specific information, numbers, perhaps an email or text, you know, some kind of format of that sort, you know, would be more applicable and, and easier for that person to consume as well. I think sometimes, this is Zelda, um, that maybe we can give out the same information in a variety of formats. Um, say we've got a, a committee and we know um, that that someone would respond better to a phone call and someone would respond better to a text. Um, we, we can give out the same information in different formats um, to to make sure that everybody's receiving it in a way um, maybe somebody's got a you know an eight to six job and and it's totally inaccessible during the daytime we surely wanted to honor that and and, uh, and send it to them in a form where they can um, access it in, in their own time and I'm just going to say the same, pretty much the same thing with Zelda and Greg. You know, you really got to know your your age bracket. Like they're saying, text or call. There's more people, that, and even a lot of the, you know, seasoned <laughs> generations um, still like to use the landline. So you know, you just got to really take that into consideration also when you're dealing with the cultural and the and the generation gaps. I just want to say uh, something with that, too, as the facilitate, as one of the facilitators, um, one of the things that um, my um, my affiliate does is um, they, um, the president, Amanda Selm, who's sitting right next to me, and I don't just say that because she's sitting right next to me, but um, they know how to communicate boundaries effectively and when they can be reached versus when you know, and how to reach them. And, um, but setting those boundaries is really important too in, in communication, knowing when and how a certain person can be reached. And I can be reached after this time, but I'd prefer if you'd reach out to me before, you know, this time of day, you know? Um, and that's one thing that I've, I've learned is within communication, how to, how to communicate boundaries effectively. So, a fellow board member who has been very clear with her boundaries, she says, if unless your hair is on fire or you're bleeding, um, don't call me after six o'clock, you know, because she is free <laughs> all day long. <laughs> and, and you know, if it's really going to be a, a major irritant, um, we, we need to honor those boundaries and and keep track of them that shows that we really care about those that we're communicating with two things i i think that body language is supposedly very important and as blind people we can't tell what it is so is there any way of determining what body language someone is giving secondly gesturing during your speaking is very helpful to sighted people apparently according to my speech instructors in college, and um, very few of the people I know know anything about gesturing, unless they've had sight before. 
body language that's that is very important to the sighted world but um those of us who have to depend more upon our our listening skills we hear those pauses and those sighs and and we can tell a lot from that that maybe somebody who's sighted may not notice as much as we do so we're we're maybe oblivious to some things but we we have a keener sense of other things i believe yeah i totally agree with that and also i mean thanks to technology and ai i mean there are ways to identify you know expressions and things in photos a lot of times these days which is super cool um, so it's not a perfect solution but uh you know obviously in a live setting that might not be possible but you know just to you know use seeing ai or a certain app on your phone and it says someone smiling or someone you know i don't know if it might say look serious or it's kind of straight faced or whatnot um, but you can kind of get some ideas uh, from technology i would say if you have any low vision um you know also see people when they're walking around you know that they're they got their shoulders up and they're oh my gosh you know <laughs> that's a really bad body body <laughs> posture and it's it's bad for your health it's bad for everything so um you know just try and go around and stay relaxed shoulders down and you know smile in your face and um I I say you know it's hard with with, with uh, us not seeing and and being blind or low vision but like Greg was saying with the technology coming into play technology is awesome right now you know we it's amazing what it can do for us but yeah it kind of evens things out I remember being on a, a legislative appointment um, on on the hill and I was I was um, with a group where um, I was the only one that had any vision. And the staffer, um, what he was saying made you think that he was paying attention to what we were telling him. But he was playing around with his phone. And I'm thinking, okay, I know you're not paying attention to us. Uh, But it's those kinds of things that are very difficult for us to um, ascertain when, when we're in those situations. So what I heard the person asking about was in regards to you know, um, a person that's blind or visually impaired, they um, might have challenges gesturally, being other person's gestural. Um, and I can speak to that because, you know, for me, I am sighted and my husband is visually impaired. So in the very beginning of um, our marriage, we, we had those kind of challenges because what he would presume for me to be upset I, I really was busy doing something else or I was hungry. So me conveying that I'm not upset, I'm hungry, you know, or I'm not upset or sad about anything. I'm doing something else. It, it really helps with the communication. So if you're able and comfortable to tell the other person, you know, Hey, I, I, I can't see, you know, and gestures are, you know, how are you feeling today? You know, how, how are things going? And that has helped us a lot. I have a question. So earlier, Anthony was talking about culturally. I want you guys to kind of dive into that a little more for me, because I want to hear what everybody's thought is. Like when we say culturally, we're talking about religion. We're talking about race. We're talking about gender. So how do you, how, what's your advice on bridging 
you know, handling those things when you're interacting with people. Because again, when you're blind, you may not be able to tell if someone's black or white or Asian or Indian, um, things like that. And so when you're having a conversation and you're trying to make a connection from a cultural perspective, I want to hear, does anybody have any thoughts on that? Same thing when it comes to religion and other things. Just want to hear some more from you all on that regard. Oh, by the way, I'm Janae from Columbus, Ohio, by the way. I think blind and visually impaired. So you're saying cultural, race, um, gender, right? Religion, all of that, yeah. all those things. Yeah. Diversity. Diversity. Um, we try to be, well, for me on Zoom, I'll just take it from Zoom. Um, you know, you try to be welcoming, respectful, and and make sure everybody is in the right space because it is zoom. So I'm not seeing their culture. I'm not, I might hear what I think, you know, is going on with that person. Um, but it, it is, a, it's, it's an interesting um, world we live in today. So, you know, it's, it's, I go back to the, the golden rule, you know, do be kind to everybody, you know, be respectful. Um, and it's harder today. I, I understand that, but that's, you can elaborate, Greg. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, in my career, I've had the chance to interact with people of all backgrounds, all ages, demographics, et cetera. And I think it really comes down to just, you know, making that human to human connection and kind of like Leslie said, being welcoming, respectful, um, just, you know, treating everyone fairly and respectfully and making sure no matter who you're talking to, that you're, you know, friendly, that you're, you know, try to be personable and try to, again, listen to what they're saying. And I think after just a couple minutes, say, of interacting with someone, you can kind of get a sense of who that person is and, you know, perhaps their communication style and their listening abilities or skills or whatnot. Um, so again, I think it kind of goes back to just taking that time, being mindful of who you're communicating with, but at the same time, being fair, being respectful to everybody. Uh, yeah, I'm in a situation that I would like to hear the panel respond to. I go to a lot of meetings in my job where people just talk on and on. And a lot of times we'll have an agenda with 15 items, but they'll only get to two of them. And I wonder how I can respectfully communicate that this is driving me crazy and still be respectful of the other people in the meeting. I think clearly communicating what the meeting is about and what you hope to accomplish during that meeting might be a really good idea. And, and maybe even um, making a reference to the fact that time is going to be limited. Um, you know, we'll have to keep keep our nose to the grindstone, so to speak, and keep right on target to accomplish everything that we intend to accomplish during that time. And then keeping them to that, that which that's a little harder. You know, it's easier to to put out what you what you expect of them, but then actually keeping, um, you know, that um, policing that, so to speak, is is more difficult. And but a gentle little gentle reminder um, saying we're we're a little off target now, you know, um, perhaps we've had enough conversation about that or discussion on that. Um, we need to move on, um, you know, in, in whatever way. And, and you'll find your own words as you're gently um, letting them know that, that it's, you know, 
we can't sit on this subject. Uh, we've got to move on or we're not going to accomplish the goals that we have set out for today. And, and maybe you just need to acknowledge that at some later time, we'll, we'll address such and such and whatever it is that they're talking about. Um, but that, that's what I would suggest. Um, like I said, it's not an easy thing to do, but it can be done. Thanks, Deborah, for the question. There's a format that was put out, um, and this might help you, the L10 format. Um, I do this with the auction committee and any committees that anybody else is on. It's a really wonderful format. It, it keeps your committee on target. It takes the, it takes the, I'll say the chitter chatter out of the, uh, out of the, out the, the uh, meeting <laughs> and it keeps you on task. You down in the beginning, uh, personal professional in the beginning. And then you've got your agenda there, rocks and headlines and action to do's. And then you have some IDSs, which you issues to solve, discuss and solve. And then the meeting is over. You rate the meeting. So it, it stays on target. It's a really good thing. So I think it came from Traction, um, the book Traction. So if anybody's interested, you can talk to Dan Spoon or Deb Cook-Lewis, and they can probably give you more information. And I just want to say I'm on that committee with Leslie, and she does a wonderful job of keeping us to, to the task. And because we do have an opportunity to do a little personal sharing in the beginning, um, I think that lets everybody feel like they've had an uh, opportunity to, you know, to contribute. And, and, um, and then you get on with and it, it works out really well. Um, I'm asking this on, you know, just for just some knowledge for um, our um, JP Morgan Chase Leadership Fellows and our DK and first timers, they're about to um, enter into leadership, if not already. They're they're about to advance in their leadership journey. So one of the things um, I think every leader needs to understand, and this goes hand in hand with communication, is that when you become a leader, you are making uh, the the phrase teamwork makes the dream work really. Um, really is an important thing to keep in mind. With being on the team, um, I believe in something called transparency, and the, uh, that's being open um, to communicating with other fellow leaders that are on your team. Um, I will, you know, at times call on someone if they haven't contributed too much, just to make sure their voice is being heard and, you know, to get them engaged in the conversation I'm um, obviously using our email lists, you know, to communicate, sending out whether it's updates about meetings or different projects that we're working on. And then certainly when it comes to specific projects, like say our newsletter, obviously there's a lot involved in creating that content, writing those articles for the newsletter, identifying editors, proofreaders to proof that content. And then, you know, who do they send that to? And then kind of putting that information together in that final product, that final newsletter. Um, so I really try to engage everyone when it comes to communication, you know, whether it is at our meetings verbally, uh, you know, by phone, by text, by email, et cetera. This is Delta. And I'll just say that we have to acknowledge that um, on a committee or on a board or whatever it is in, in the group that we're, we're dealing with, um, people respond to things much differently. Some are spontaneous responders. Some um, really need us to to give them information early 
so they can digest it and process it and um, be able to respond and be able to share. And so um, the timeliness of, of that information is crucial, especially to those who aren't, aren't real spontaneous in their, um, they're just not comfortable in um, um, responding to uh, a spur of the moment type thing. So, and, and sometimes we have no control over that and, and it has to be, um, you know, right now. But when possible, it's good to let people know ahead of time, as far ahead of time as possible. And I'll just say, um, I like that, Amanda, the team um, being on the auction committee, it's a big table for the auction. There's two, you know, convention in the holiday. So uh, it's a big team effort and the communication has to be there. Um, and, you know, we communicate with the ACB community and the family. So um, I think the team, the team has to be there. It's, it's all about team. email, like Zelda said, not the spontaneity, you know, spontaneity. Um, making sure everybody knows what's going on, making sure they know their role, roles and, and responsibilities in that community or whatever they're doing in the communication world and with the team. Thanks, panelists. And thank you all um, for being a part of this. I first want to uh, um, just thank our panelists. Um, so let's give them a round of applause here in the room. I'd like to also uh, thank, um, thank, yes, thank you for your time and your wisdom. I'd also like to thank my uh, co-facilitator, co Terry Lynn Higashi, for working with me on this. And uh, so let's give, uh, let's give all of us a round of applause, okay? Yay, okay. So um, this um, presentation is sponsored by ACB Next Generation. Uh, you can find out more about us and all the activities that we do at acbnextgeneration.org. Uh, we do have a uh, uh, in-person meet and greet later on this afternoon. So um, be looking in your convention program. And we also do have a uh, membership special uh, during convention. So uh, thanks to uh, uh, Mel and the convention committee. And uh, we have door prizes, everybody. Um, so let's... Um, Let's draw some door prizes, shall we? Um, so the first winner of our for, first door prize is a $25 Amazon gift card donated by ACB Next Generation um, member Shane Aguilera. And this goes to Kayla King. Congratulations, Kayla. And then uh, we have a $25 uh, Uber Eats gift card donated by our ACB Next Generation president, Amanda Selm. So thank you, Amanda, for that. Um, and that's going to um, go to Clarice Knight. Congratulations uh, to both of you. I'd like to thank uh, Sheila for hosting on Zoom. I'd like to thank Jane for uh, streaming. And uh, Terry Lynn, do you have any final words of um, thanks? Or I think Amanda has an announcement as well. 
All right, everyone, don't forget about the next gen meet and greet um, at four to five fifteen right before the walk. And I just looked up to see what room that was in. That is in Nirvana A. So please make sure you come back and join us for our next gen meet and greet in Nirvana A and bring a friend. Thank you. Everybody. Thank you all for coming.